Welcome back to Be A Better Human channel. I'm so happy you made it to listen up today and to, you know, be a part of what's going on. I do apologize for not being on for a couple of uh, Tuesdays, but I really wanted to wait until the Lord had given me a fresh word and I wanted it to wait till I knew it was coming straight from him. And so today we'll, we'll be talking, um, our... I want to kind of tell you how the Lord brought this to me, right? So I was like, Lord, what should I talk about on my podcast? You know, I've been hearing all these different voices about the COVID and some people are saying, you know, the Lord's seeing us through and everything's going to go back to normal. And you have some other people saying, you know, a lot of other things, but I, I didn't really know what the Lord wanted me to talk on. So I just was, um, I was just being still with the Lord, um, for quite some time. Uh, hours at least and I didn't even have my Bible I just was sitting there and I was just meditating on things and just trying to be quiet just quiet my mind and the and the thing that came so clear into my spirit was the devil cannot curse what God has blessed and I was like I got the perfect story the perfect illustration for that and I thought of the of the story of Balaam and I hadn't read this story y'all in years, but that is just how clear the message was. It just said, the devil cannot curse what God has blessed. And I knew instantly the, the, the story that I should use to illustrate this point. And so as we get ready to, to dive into scripture, I want you to really take that and hold that in your mind for a second. Only one, it's, all, it's always ever been two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And there is no gray area with those two kingdoms. So we have to start focusing on, Are we? am, am I part of what the Lord has set apart? Am I part of that kingdom? Because if I am, I am always living under a certain level of blessing, a certain level of protection. And I'm telling you, because this is how good God is to his people. And we have to remember that. We just have to put all the other all that other nonsense I just call it that all that other nonsense and distractions to the side and we have to start going back to wait a minute wait a minute look at this look at this word in this bible man look at this illustration of how good God is to his people and it's to the point where even when the enemy the enemy was so jealous and he was so he 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 couldn't even touch the blessing that was on the tribe of Jacob. I mean, the Jacob, Jacob basically he the the twelve tribes of Israel are all Jacob's children, right? But in this particular passage, it's referred to as Jacob or Israel. Everybody is talking about the whole nation of Israel, the whole nation of of God's chosen people. And so, I just want to, I just want you to think about that before we dive into that. I just want you to. Just get a hold of that right there by itself. And I'm just telling you, mm, it is delicious. This is good because like we serve a holy, wonderful, all-knowing, eternal God. And he has a continual, generational, time, it's beyond timeless blessing for his people. And that is what we have to realize no matter what we see manifested on this earth. There's still a blessing over the people that are part of the kingdom of God. And so let, let me, um, with no more further ado, let me go ahead and let's get into the scripture. Psalm 
reading in Numbers, uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 23. We're going to be in, right there. Okay, I'm going to take my time and read this, uh, this chapter of this conversation between uh, Balaam and Balak. Okay, so we're starting on uh, Numbers chapter 23, verse 1. Okay, hope you are there to join me. Balaam said, build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams, rams for me. Balak did as Balaam said, and the two of them offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, stay here beside your offering while I go aside. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet with me. Whatever he reveals to me, I will tell you. Then he went off to a barren height. God met with him and Balaam said, I have prepared seven altars and on each altar I've offered a bull and a ram. The Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, go back to Balak and give him this word. So he went back to him and found him standing beside his offering with all the Moabite officials. Then Balaam spoke his message. Balak brought me from Aram, the king of Moab, from the eastern mountains. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come denounce Israel. How, how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? From the rocky peaks I see them, from the heights I view them, I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations, who can count the dust of Jacob or number even a fourth of Israel. Let me die the death of the righteous, and may my final end be like theirs. And then Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I bought you to I bought you to curse my enemies, but you have done nothing but bless them. And he answered, Must I not speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? So now here comes Balaam's second message. Then Balak says to him, Come with me to another place where you can see them. You will not see them all, but only the outskirts of their camp. And from there, curse them for me. So he took him to the field of Zophrim on the top of Piglah, and there he built seven altars and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Balaam said to Balak, Stay here beside your offering while I meet with him over there. The Lord met with Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go back to Balak and give him this word. So he went to him and found him standing beside his offering with the Moabite officials. Balak asked him, What did the Lord say? Then he, then he spoke his message. Arise, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should, be, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot change it. No misfortune, no misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. There is no divination against Jacob. No evil omens against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and of Israel, see what God has done. The people rise like a lioness. They rouse themselves like a lion that does not rest till it devours its prey and drinks the blood of its victims. Then Balak said to Balaam, neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. Balaam answered, did I not tell you I must do whatever the Lord says? Okay, so now this is just really getting good. I wish I could stop there, but I'm going to keep going. Verse 27, then Balak said to Balaam, come, let me take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God to let you curse them for me from there. And Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor, overlooking the wasteland. Balaam said, build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. Balak did as Balaam said and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. 
Okay, this is the next chapter now. Sorry. Now, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not resort to div divination as at other times, but he turned his face toward the wilderness. When Balaam looked out and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came on him, and he spoke his message. The prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of one whose eye sees clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are opened. How beautiful are your tents, Jacob, your dwelling places, Israel. Like valleys they spread out, like gardens beside a river, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from their buckets, their seed will have abundant water, their king will be greater than Agag, their kingdom will be exalted. God brought them out of Egypt, they have the strength of a wild ox. They devour hostile nations and break their bones in pieces. With their arrows they pierce them, like a lion they crouch and lie down, like a lioness who, who, clears, who dares to rouse them. May those who bless you be blessed, and those who curse you be cursed." Then Balak's anger burned against Balaam. He struck his hand together and said to him, I summon you to curse my enemies, but you have blessed them these three times. Now leave at once and go home. I said I will reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. <laughs> and then Balaam answered Balak, Did I not tell, tell the messengers you sent me? Even if Balak give me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything of my own accord, good or bad to go beyond the command of the Lord, and I must say only what the Lord says. Now I'm going back to my people, but come, let me warn you of what this people will do to your people in days to come. Okay, I'll stop there, because then Balaam goes on to prophesy about the things that are going to happen to the people that are evil. And so I just think it's amazing, this conversation. This whole conversation is amazing, because here you have a true prophet of the Lord, and so he's not being swayed by anything that this uh, man is, is able to offer him in material goods or material wealth. Um, he's, he, that, that's, not his, that's not really where he's coming from. He's really hearing from, directly from the Lord. And um, every time that he speaks on the behalf of Israel, the prophecy keeps getting better and better. It keeps getting you know, even more beautiful the way he, he talks about the blessing that these people are living under. And unfortunately, well, fortunately, he was truly um, just, he was really just carrying out the what the Lord really wanted said over his people. Because th this was already going on before Balaam put words to it. And that was the problem. The, these evil people, Balak, he, uh, the, mo, the, the, the king, or his kingdom was frustrated. And his things that he wanted to do, he couldn't just do the Israelites any old kind of way. And so he wanted, is he wanted to have ability to come in and wreak havoc and take from them and do whatever he wanted to do. But he knew that there was something, there was, there was a God the real God that was preventing him from being successful. And, and, and even back then people had sense enough to know, Hey, I don't want to go into a slaughter. I don't want to go into a battle. I know I'm not going to win. So I have to find a way to get leverage here. I have to find a way to make it an even playing field or at least where I know that I have a chance at winning. And so he thought just by stealing the profit 
and doing uh going through the motions with a with a sacrifice a sacrificial behavior because he he knew that that that's how people heard from the lord was through um their prophets and their priests and also through their disciplines of their their sacrifices so he was doing all those things i think that's very significant he was doing all those things um but he still wasn't coming to know what the lord's will was he still wanted to impose his will on onto god and we know that that can't happen but there's people that attempt it all the time and this is this man was no different so he was like okay i'm gonna go th- i'm gonna go th- i'm gonna approach the lord the way he the way i know i can get an answer i'm even going to get one of his own uh prophets to to uh to, to do my bidding but the only thing he didn't have he he, he didn't have in uh, mind was that the prophet wasn't going to be able to speak things that he wanted spoke he didn't know that the prophet was going to still serve god for real and that part he wasn't really expecting to happen and so when he found out that there was um there was this higher higher voice than his and it was an ultimate and a final uh, a finality to it that whatever lord says that's what he's going to stay with that's what he's going to that's what's going to happen in the earth so i thought it was amazing when he said the lord is not a human being that he would lie or that he would change his mind and so when he was telling the king this the king thought that he could manipulate because the gods of the of egypt and the gods of you know the pagan gods they could be manipulated by uh they could be bought off they could be you know uh swayed i guess is the only way i can think the only word i can think of because they were really not gods in the first place so with david so he was used to dealing with idols he wasn't used to dealing with the ultimate creator of the heavens and the earth and so he really was really getting introduced to a different type of being than what he was ever ever could put his mind around and so when instead of him understanding that hey this god is not an idol this god is not like the ones that you're used to dealing with this is the real god i still don't know if he ever really really grasped that because he was so evil but he what he did understand is that um things were only getting better and better out of the mouth of this prophet for the people that were protected and loved and serving the god of of the creator of the world are the most high god so he he just all he kept on doing was just saying wow you know okay he he's, he kind of was still trying to figure out a way well maybe you can't you can't curse them because you're too close so he would start taking them further and further away from where the israelites were actually at and that's what i thought was funny now that i actually i never noticed that part of the story before before they were the first time he tried to get um Balaam to curse the Israel, the people of Israel, they were, they were pretty close in proximity to the people where they could actually kind of see them. And so what he kept doing is he kept gradually moving further away. And he was thinking that by them being further away from, from the people where they couldn't necessarily see or hear what was being done, that now maybe the Lord will allow this curse to go forward in the earth. Because let's see what, what people don't realize is that God is everywhere. The real God is everywhere. And he is pretty much, you know, that that's not really going to affect anything because God, you can't hide any, any words from God. You can't hide any deeds from God. The real God, you can't. 
And so it's not about the proximity of where the people are at. That's going to change anything that the Lord has intended for his people. It's going to really depend on God himself. And he will never change. We like, like the Bible says, he changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So I just thought it was amazing that this man was just so determined and evil that he really was trying to look at any aspect of how he could how he could get this curse done. He really wanted this curse to go forward uh, in the earth because he knows the power of a curse. And so that, but, but this, this is the thing that I want you all to think of. And this is where I started my, before I start rambling, this is where I started last week when I asked the Lord for a word. He's like the devil can't cursed, curse what I have blessed. And then I was like, okay, let me see if anyone else has done any, you know, sermons on anything like this, um, have said, cause this is, this, this is like a fundamental, it's a fundamental thing to think about. And it, and it gives you hope and it gives you happiness just in that phrase in itself. And I was like, there's still other people that's had to have, you know, preached sermons on this before. And I really couldn't find any sermon per se on this, but I found, um, some inspirational words from T.D. Jakes. He didn't do a whole sermon, but he did do some inspirational words on that. And then it was a couple other people that said little small little tidbits. But I'm telling you, if you can get a hold of that, if you can really grasp that and you read through, you read through these words of of Balaam and how he says what the Lord had intended for his people and what and how they lived under this blessing, this perpetual blessing. I'm telling you, it's it's, it's like it'll it'll just kind of give you like this feeling in your soul that like, this is the God that I serve. And he loves, he's always loved the righteous. He's always protected the righteous. He's always loved all his creation. But when it comes to his righteous, he says, we are the apple of his eye. And, 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 and in this blessing, you can see, you can see that and you can feel that. In fact, let me um go to this particular verse where it says, um, verse six and uh where i'm back on uh chapter 24 verse six how beautiful are your tents jacob your dwelling place israel like valleys they spread out like gardens beside a river like aloes planted by the lord like cedars beside the waters waters will flow from their buckets their seed will be uh, will have abundant water and their king will be greater than agag their kingdom will be exalted God brought them out of Egypt. He have, they have the strength of a wild ox. They devour hostile nations and break their bones in pieces. With their hours, the, I'm sorry, with their arrows, they pierce them like a lion. They crouch and lie down like a lioness who dares to rouse them. Many those who bless you be, may those who bless you be blessed and may those who curse you be cursed. And so at this point, he's actually even returning back. To Balak, the curse that he was trying to put on the people of Israel is actually, he, he basically, that's why Balak got mad because he realized, man, I'm up here trying to curse these people. And he just told me in the end of this uh, prophecy that I'm going to be cursed because I'm trying to curse the people of God. So it's, so basically he, it, it was the opposite that like, um, Balaam could only say what the Lord had told him to say. And so he didn't even realize he was he was going before the Lord in such a way 
where now he's returning negativity onto his own camp because they are not people. They are not God's people. So, so you don't play. That's what that just shows you. You can't play with the Lord. And then, um, I just love it when he says in, uh, first chapter, I mean, chapter 23, this is one of my favorite parts of this story. He says, um, how can I curse verse eight? How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? And how can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? All right. So he says, from the rocky peaks, I see them. From the heights, I view them. I see people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations. Who can? And then so he then he just talks about, you know, they have such a nice life. I want to die like them. That he even said, even in death, I want to be like these people. Uh, the man that's doing the prophecy. Because he sees that they have a peaceful death. Because when you know where you're going, when you know that you're going to be united with the, with your heavenly father, even in death, you, you're, you have peace. And so he, and I think he saw, he saw something from that. He, he saw these people that their lives may not be perfect, but even in death, they have rest. They have true rest. And so it's just, it's just amazing. And he's even looking from afar off and he sees the blessing on these people. And so I just, I just want to tell you, like, it's just, can the Lord can can the Lord use your life? His, and and I'm sure He is. If you're really walking and and trying to live for Him, and and you're allowing yourself to have the mind of Christ, and everything you do, you're trying to honor. Not even trying, you are honoring Christ because it's just who you are. I bet you there are people that can see the blessing on your life. They can be afar off from you. They might not have to live with you. They might not have to live in your neighborhood. They may not even have to see you very often, but they can look and see if the blessing is on you because this, these, these evildoers, they knew the blessing was all over these people as a, as a, as a nation and, the, and that they had separated themselves and that they were not like them. They knew that they were living a certain lifestyle that was not like the Moabites. It was not like the Amakites and all these different ites that was surrounding the people of Israel. They had their own customs. They had their own ways that they observed the Sabbath. They did all those different things and, and they really were set apart people. Like we're supposed to be in this world. We're supposed to be peculiar, peculiar people in this earth. So getting back to the fact that the blessing was there, right? And it was so strong that he was even saying from afar off, I can see the blessing on these people. And then even when he did the second blessing, he talked about how they're in the last blessing. He talked about how they will be victorious over their enemies and things like that. And I was listening to another preacher today by Anita Bynum. And I just listened to a part of what she was talking about. And she was saying how their cherubims, they have the face. The cherubims have a face of an ox. They have the face of a lion. They have the face of an eagle and they have a face of a man. So and, and this is straight from Ezekiel it's described in Ezekiel. Cherubims are not just a person that looks like a they're not angels that we see depicted in these movies and stuff where they have the face of one person and they have two wings and two feet and they look almost like a person with just with wings on. That is not how the cherubims are described in scripture. And if you really want to know how they're described, you just look at Ezekiel. I think it's Ezekiel chapter three. I can get the exact place, but she, she read what they described. She read it straight from the scriptures. And I read this years ago and I, I, I was in agreement cause I've already knew that, but she was basically saying, what are 
what is the representation of each of those creatures? And she was really detailed in how she went about it, but I don't have all that time. But I'll just, start, I'll just stick with the lion. And the lion represents victory that, because he is the king of Judah. And we know that Jesus got, he, he, he had the victory over sin, the victory over Satan, and he is victorious. He is our coming king. And so um, it's just amazing um, when you look at all the, all the all the ways when the Lord brings up the lion, we know that a lot of times that's what he's talking about is victory. And so um it's interesting in this prophecy in the third when he when he gave the final prophecy, he talked about uh Israel being a lion. And um and the cherubim, one of the faces of the cherubim is a is the face of a lion. So I thought that was very interesting. And then they were offering ox they were all offering ox and lambs on each of these sacrifices that they were doing when they were approaching the Lord and she, when he by him says the ox represents sacrifice. And we know that the Lord, he was like, he was like, he's, he's our, he's our lamb. He's our, he, he's, he's the lamb. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't, I can't talk today, but he is, he's the only sacrifice that was enough for our sins to, to give us the opportunity to be saved. So he is, he is the lamb. And, um, and so I thought that was interesting that the, you see the ox in this scripture, in these scriptures over and over again as well. And the eagle wasn't mentioned in these scriptures, these particular scriptures. But we know that she said the man represents um, our high priest. Because uh, God was, Jesus was the only one that was a perfect, you know, that didn't sin. That was able to have victory over sin, the sinful nature of men. And so that's why he, he only, he's the only one who, who uh, can be our intercessor between the father he's the one who basically the father sees him when he looks at us he he sees his son's blood that was shed for us so i just thought that was amazing and then she does just for y'all know the eagle represents um is one of jesus's characteristics and um like i said the eagle wasn't mentioned in this particular scripture but i just thought you guys should know that um those those symbolic animals, when you see those in scripture, you know, kind of what they represent so that when you, when you're reading other stories, it can kind of bring a deeper meaning for you. And then, so she said, basically the cherubim that are there, they're in the, they're around the throne, they're around the throne near Jesus. And she said, the reason that the Lord revealed to her, those cherubims are there is because they are really, they, they bear the characteristics of Jesus because he's represented he represents himself through those different um those different beings and so that is why the cherubim is there singing praises and in the holy of holies um constantly around the throne where all the tongues and everything is happening they're right there in the in the middle of the scene and they're just they're 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 just in love with Jesus and they're just a part of that scene constantly in heaven and um and Ezekiel saw this in a vision. And so I was like, this is amazing, this is amazing. So um even though I digressed a little bit, I think it I think it did bring something to this because so we see the we see the sacrificial ox, you know, that the ox and the rams were um constantly being offered as they approached the throne of God. And they wanted this man, he wanted to get what he needed to get out of this conversation but he just was never receiving back what he wanted back but it was effective because the lord did speak 
So there was these seven altars and the ox, the sacrificial, they, like I said, he did everything appropriate and he knew that he had, in order to hear something, he had to have somebody that was in right standing with the Lord that the Lord would actually speak to. So he did all those parts right. But the only thing he got wrong was he didn't know who he was dealing with, that he was dealing with the real God, the real creator, and that he was not going to be able to dictate what the results were going to be. He wasn't going to be able to tell the Lord what he wanted. And um, and I think that that's why the Lord says rebellion is is as witchcraft. And um, I guess I'm on a roll because I have, I've been on a break, y'all, for a couple of weeks. But I, I mean, this word is so good. If it takes a little longer than this time, I really want you to spend time and listen to this real quick. When it says in the Bible that rebellion is as witchcraft, it's when you want your own way. You don't care what the way of the Lord really is, but you want the Lord to change his mind and do what you want, whether it is to the benefit of others, whether it is the righteous thing or not. It's just about a person wanting their own way. And we know that most of the time we don't know what's good for us. You know, as as humans, we really don't. We might think we have ideas and all these things that we run with, but we don't know what we're doing half the time with our own lives, let alone other people's. So when we have the pride in our heart to think that we know what's best and we try to manipulate and we try to coerce other people or, you know, other people. And in this case, this man is really bold because he think he can do this with the Lord. But I think there's so many times that we have tried that with people. You know, we tried to manipulate others and get them to come along our way. And we didn't really take time to say, hey, is this really is this really fair? Is this really what the Lord would have me to do in this situation? We don't even take the time to do all that. And so when you look at uh, Balak's response and Balak's behavior, he stopped. He, he, he didn't even stop at the first prophecy. He didn't stop at the second prophecy. It wasn't to the third prophecy when he found out that he himself was going to be cursed and he himself was not going to have victory over the people of God, that he stopped wanting to hear anything. Notice that as long as he thought he had control over what was being said or what was being done, he wanted to keep on pressing it, pressing it, pressing it. When it got to that third prophecy where now he is, is, what he was trying to intend for them was actually being spoken over him. Now all of a sudden he don't want to hear no more. He just wants Balaam to get out of his face basically. (laughs) And so I'm, so I'm telling you that witchcraft spirit, that, that whole mindset of people, and that's what they would, uh, what they refer to in this, even this passage that the, um, Balaam didn't even come to the Lord requesting the Lord do anything or say anything. He really, truly just went with an open slate waiting for the Lord to speak. And then exactly what the Lord spoke is what he spoke. And how often in our, in our society are people speaking when the Lord is not even speaking? You know, they're not, they haven't really gotten a word from the Lord and you can tell that it's not a word from the Lord because later on some of the things they come back and they have to, they have to repent or they have to say, Ooh, I missed it. Or, you know, I don't know why this didn't come to pass because I really thought the Lord said, well, now you're, now you have to, you have to retract back <laughs> and you're, you're basically embarrassed yourself because the Lord never told you those things. And now it's obvious that the Lord never told you those things because he cannot lie. And so I, so, so it's just amazing. It's amazing how many people in our society are speaking. And then even when they're wrong, they're not even ashamed enough to stop talking for a while and just go sit down. They're still speaking out new prophecies and things like that. And people are still following them because they, 
I don't know. It's just they have the charisma. They have the charisma. A lot of them do have charisma. And but I'm telling you, the words of God cannot come back void. And the blessing of God will always be true over his people. And so so that part I know when people say, Oh, the Lord is gonna the Lord's gonna do this for for his people and he's gonna bless you with new homes that you didn't build and he's gonna do that. Now, there's all types of different ways the Lord can bless people. And so when he says that the Lord will that he you be in good health and um his plans for you are good and not evil and things like that, we have to be careful how we how we I guess um package those type of statements to people because you don't want to you don't want to just have like a blanket blessing to everybody because there are conditions on the blessings and it has to, and, it, and the, the conditions are those that obey him and hear his voice and those that are righteous. And so there are conditions that people don't lose you tag with those statements. They don't lose you say, okay, if you're living righteously, um, if you're doing this now, they lose you try to say, if you're, it's attached to the tithe, they always try to make your blessing attached to the tithe. And that is not really the the whole message. It, it, a lot of times it's not really fully what the Lord required. That's just a piece of what the Lord requires, but it's not all that God requires for you to be blessed. And, um, but I do want to say, know that even with this crazy world and what's happening around us and among us, are you righteous? If you can say yes, and you, only, and you, you don't have to worry about if everybody else thinks you're righteous. You have to know that the Holy Spirit has already sealed you and you know that you hear his voice and that you don't listen to things that are not of God and you don't, you know, um, allow yourself to be wallowing in sin and you, and you know that, you know, you know when you're living righteous or not. So number one, is that, is that true about you? Number two, are you already seeing fruits in your life? of the blessing because the Lord is always going to have that on you. People, a lot of times people knew that I was anointed without me having to say anything about how many scriptures I know, what church I go to, you know, anything like that. The Lord would use different things for different people in my life to let them know, Hey, when Cynthia says something and she said, the Lord told her or something, people know I'm not, I'm not playing around But I say. The Lord told me, because if it's not the Lord, I'm not going to even put it on the Lord. I, I don't play with the Lord like that. So very few times I can think of when I had to, had to tell a person I'm talking to them, I say, the Lord told me. And um, later on, that person will confirm something back that they know that it was me being used by the Lord because I didn't know certain things. There's no way I would have known any other way, but if, unless the Lord had told me. So I'm just saying that just like the Lord uses me that way, he uses you that way. He uses your friend that way. He uses people in your life, in your path. It's a normal thing of part of being in God's kingdom. So I'm not saying I'm anything special, but I'm just saying like, since I knew and started realizing I was a part of God's kingdom and the Lord would send people in my path and they would help me. Like they would just have the right, the right word for me at that point And that I was at, and they wouldn't even, it seemed effortless at the time when they were saying things, but I know it was Lord working through them because it was exactly what I needed clarity on about something. And it would be sometime from the most unlikely person. He would just send in my path and they would help me out with, with a word from God. And they wouldn't have to say, hey, I have a word from God for you. 
a lot of times they didn't even have to even come out that way, but they would help me through the course of our, our of our um, encounter. And the, exactly what they said is what I needed to hear at that point. And, um, and so, I, so, like I said, the Lord has helped me in that way in so many times and so many special, special ways that I understand now that's part of being blessed. That's part of being blessed. The Lord is not going to leave you out here by yourself. He's not going to leave you out here wondering and guessing what his will is. He always has a ram in the bush for you when you're blessed. And so that, that would be my second question is, is there already fruits in your life where you can say, yeah, the Lord has been, he's really been providing. He's been sending this person. He's been using that person. He's been using me also as a vessel to help others. Because it's all about service. It's all about brotherhood, sisterhood. That is how you feel. It's all about the love. And it's all about, it's never really about you. And you. And when you understand that and you live that way, and, that, and that's just like your mantra. I don't know if that's the right word. But that's how you live. You know that you're blessed. And no one has to, you know, no one has to like convince you of it because you're already living in it. Number three, and that's my final point. And I'm going to end this. Do you have the prayer life that matches the level of blessing that you're walking in? And I say prayer life, but it's encompassing of fasting and all those other disciplines and reading the word and all those kind of things. But I'm telling you, if you if you can't say, yes, I, hey, I, I don't I don't feel blessed a lot of the time. But I feel like this is happening in my life. That's happening. And not, it is it just making sense. And now blessing doesn't mean that you don't have difficulties and, and sufferings. And I hope I didn't I hope I'm not making it seem that way. Um, because I have my own sufferings and stuff, but at the end of like I won't say at the end of the day, but like when I look at my life in a full like a full circle, I will see the blessing even through the suffering. If that makes sense. So it's not it doesn't mean that I don't ever have days where I suffer. But like, even when I'm seeing something that kind of was negative that happened in my life, I still see a huger positive, even with that negative. And and I can always say, wow, the Lord's hand was still there. He was still there. And I wasn't by myself. I never felt by myself because I always felt his presence. And so your prayer life is going to match the level of blessing that you're walking in. And I can say that with confidence because the stronger my prayer life got, the stronger my fasting walk got, the the more I associated with other people that are part of God's kingdom and disassociated with people that I started feeling and started seeing that they weren't showing the fruit, um, the stronger the blessing in my life got. And I was always blessed, but the, but the blessing was just so strong when I really got deeper and start doing those disciplines on a regular basis. And and I'm not, and I'm saying some days it's still hard. I'm not going to lie. Some days it's still hard to labor in prayer as long as some some days it's easier for me than it is for other days. But when I think of how good he's been, it doesn't even become like it doesn't even become like a problem for me to pray. Like uh Kelly and her ministry says that prayer is my oxygen. I'm telling you there's some days where praying is just like, it's the highlight. It's the highlight of my day. Cause I'm like, wow, I was looking through my prayer journal and I didn't even realize that just 
you know, so many months ago I was praying for this thing. And now look, I'm walking in it. I'm walking in it like it's like I've been walking in it all these all this time. And I didn't realize that it was part of my prayer life just months ago. But that that that's how much the blessing matches up. It matches up with your disciplines towards God. And he says, well, if you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. That's basically what that is about. So it's not anything I'm saying that is not scriptural. So when I say, hey, you get a better prayer life, you'll get the, you'll see the blessing stronger. A lot of times you already have the blessing, but you're not paying attention. And when you pray and you see, hey, I'm losing I'm I'm losing things to pray about because my, my problems are, are getting smaller and smaller because God is so big. All I have to talk to God about is how good he is. And I've come to him on behalf of other things that are going on with other people. I don't spend a lot of time begging the Lord and pleading with the Lord to do anything for me because he's already done it. And I realize that he's already done it. And so I don't spend, I don't have to spend time doing that anymore. So it's, so it's like the maturity and the comfortableness that I've received in my life the the manifestations in my life have caused my prayer life to become more of a communion time with the Lord and more of a time of just resting and thinking and just sometimes receiving from the Lord. And so I'm telling you, if you haven't got there yet and you want to get there, it's available. The Lord is available to us. He said, draw nigh to him and he will draw nigh to us. And I'm going to end on that. And I hope this, this was a blessing to you that the devil cannot curse what God has blessed. And just look at look over that story in numbers and look at the blessing. And remember that you're blessed. Remember that God has been better to you than you ever can deserve. And he has even allowed you to listen to this message. And it may be a time where you were feeling a certain type of way. And now that you listen to this message, you can realize, wow, you know, I am pretty blessed. I am pretty blessed. All right. So uh, I hope this is encouraging and I look forward to hearing, uh, having another podcast for you next Tuesday um, and continue being a better human today.